for us. He has a really fun message for us about extending hospitality. We've been reading through Romans 12. Everybody up, let's get to it. We're reading the Word of God. So I've been memorizing this by remembering who talked, right? <laughs> Contribute to the needs of the saints. That was Danya. Now when you think of extend hospitality to strangers, you think of me, okay? All right, Romans 12, let's start. Let love, oh, I can take this off now. I'm sorry. I, I'm so used to it, I forget I have it on. <laughs> I am not good with equipment. Did we figure that out? It's not on my ear. Hang on. Okay. Technical difficulties averted. Can we hear me okay? Yeah. All right. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. So, we're in our series, oh, sit down, <laughs> where we're uh, remembering that posture is more important to issues, and today we're talking about hospitality to strangers. We have some extra cats at our house right now, too, <laughs> they are doing mischief. So, I, I think I was, when I was preparing this, when we say hospitality, some of us think hospitality industry, right? Hotels, restaurants, things like that. A lot of us think about maybe inviting a friend to a party or a dinner. We think of pictures like this, right? It's like, I love throwing parties, right? Like, it'll go on Pinterest, make it look all pretty. It's fun for me. So for some of you are like, no, that is not fun, right? But entertaining people in style, that is absolutely not what biblical hospitality is about. So I've got a different picture. This is my husband, Rob, and this is Joe. Joe is a PA student from Pacific University, and he came to do a rotation with my husband back in July. So they got along great. We had him over for dinner, and we really got along. And then come to the end of his rotation, he was supposed to head off to Chicago next, and they called literally the week before. And because of COVID, they said, you know, we just can't take anybody right now. You're out. And, oh, by the way, he'd given up his apartment already, so he had nowhere to live, nowhere to go. Rob comes home. He goes, hey, what about, 
you know, I'll, I'll offer Joe to extend his rotation with me. Why don't we have him live with us? I said, yeah, let's do it. So Joe went from literally was a stranger in July to being extended family. I got another picture. Where's my next picture? There we go. Joe is now part of the Larson family, right? It's almost 97th birthday, and we're, we're honored. Joe calls us now his West Coast family, right? He is a great guy, and we love seeing what the Lord is doing in his life. And it's sort of like our puzzle pieces joined, our, our, our strings of our tapestry started to weave together. And for the rest of our lives, we're going to know Joe because of that hospitality. He's coming back to live with us in January. You'll see him again. He's got another rotation nearby. So that, that wasn't a very hard thing to do. Joe is probably the easiest guest I've ever had, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it up a notch and give you a little more hardcore example of a time when we uh, offered some true Christian hospitality. It was probably about 25 years ago or so, I was trying to remember, Sunday very much like this one. We always come to church. It was right here at New Hope. You've been coming here for almost 30 years. So 25 years ago, we've got, yeah, we've got toddlers, kids. You know, we come with our family. And we went home with an extra toddler, <laughs> her father, and his very pregnant <coughs> wife. Literally had never met this family till that morning. And they came home, and they lived with us for months. Rob and I were thinking maybe six, eight months. He ended up delivering their baby. We had an infant in our house, and they lived with us till they got on their feet. That's getting a little bit closer to what we're going to be talking about today. But I, I really hope that you're getting the idea that even though hospitality can be about food and drink and comfy beds, it is way, way more than that. So while I was preparing, I came across a quote that I really liked, a definition of hospitality from a guy named Scott Cormode, who's an author, professor, and Presbyterian minister. Here's what he says. Hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it especially those who are vulnerable because they are strangers. Hospitality often involves sharing meals, but hospitality is about more than eating. Hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and to treat them like insiders. Hospitality is extending privilege across difference. Now we're getting to the heart of it. It's inviting those new kids on the playground to play. Identify with those outsiders, right? When we look at the original Greek, we find that the word for hospitality is philoxenos. You can look up how to say anything on Google, by the way. <laughs> Philo is love and xenos is stranger. I think we mistakenly think that hospitality is like inviting your friends over. No, this is love of strangers. So I want to give you the little overview about what I want you to get, and then we're going to get to it. Number one, biblical hospitality is a mandate from the Lord for all of us, not just a few of us. It takes more than you think, and it takes less than you imagine. So what it takes more of is it takes more willingness, and it really doesn't take a lot of stuff or talent or anything. It takes willingness. Number two, 
Followers of Jesus are to extend hospitality to our enemies. Unfortunately, nowadays, church not doing so hot on this one, right? Making more enemies than not. We don't want to be that here, right? Number three, true biblical hospitality may be the best means we have in our current culture to spread the gospel. So posting a Christian meme on Facebook isn't going to bring people to Jesus. We need to really get to know people who think differently than we do. That's how we can bring them to Jesus. So let's pray before we start. Dear Lord God, we thank you on this special morning that you have so much to teach us, to show us. I ask that you would take my ordinary words, translate them to each heart, that we may each go out into the world to expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul tells us, extend hospitality to strangers. Do you read stuff sometimes and you kind of go, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. But you know, does God really think it's that important? It's like one of those extra things for crazy people like Andrea who loves to have parties and you know, is extroverted. Uh-uh, uh-uh, this is really important throughout all of scriptures for everyone. First of all, God is the originator of hospitality. In Genesis, we read that he created an amazing, beautiful world, and he invited humans into it. It was the first invitation, right? In Genesis 18, we read about Abraham's hospitality. He's rushing about, arranging preparation of a meal and the washing of the feet. That's very important in that culture. For three strangers who were traveling by, we discover in the reading that these were actually angels, and one of them was referred to as the angel of the Lord, thought by many scholars to be a visible manifestation of God. So Abraham was actually being hospitable to God himself. In Hebrews 13, verse 2, we're reminded, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You don't know with whom you might be speaking, right? There are so many more Old Testament scriptures that support this idea. Instructions about treating foreigners like native-born Israelites and innumerable passages about caring for the poor, the homeless, the hungry, the widowed, the orphaned. And then comes Jesus. His commands to be hospitable come up over and over and over. And they're even more radical. Now, as I was preparing this, I don't think it's a stretch, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I would say that hospitality is at the very heart of Jesus' ministry. He literally went around making the outcasts of society into insiders in his upside-down kingdom where the last come first and the first come last. It was his hospitality that got him crucified because the religious elite found it blasphemous that he was eating and drinking with sinners. Jesus understood that hospitality was for sinners just like hospitals are for the sick. So let's look at a few of the things that Jesus actually said about hospitality. In Matthew 10, it says this, And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, 
you will surely be rewarded. Well, that sounds good to me. I'd give a cup of water. I'd like to be rewarded. Sounds good. <laughs> but in Matthew 25, we're talking a whole nother level here, people. He's talking about separating people at the final judgment as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So Jesus will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. When those on the right wonder, well, you know, when did we do this? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then those on the left go, well, wait a minute. We, we didn't see you. What are you talking about? In Matthew 25, 39, he says, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Anybody still think hospitality is optional? I don't think so. So, biblical hospitality, not a good party, is a mandate from the Lord for all of us, not just a few of us. I've got a couple of more myths to disrupt, just in case I've got some holdouts here who like really rankle at that hospitality word. Myth number one, I don't have the gift of hospitality, so it's not about me. This has a whole subset under it. I, I don't like to cook. I'm not a good cook. I'm not a good housekeeper, right? I'm not an extrovert. I like to be alone. Raise your hand if you've ever said any of those things. <laughs> Okay, it's kind of a common one. Well, I hope I change your mind that it's not about those things. Sometimes, you know, we look at those gifts of the Holy Spirit and we think when we figure out our gift, we're good. I'm good. I got my gift figured out. I'm over here, right? I don't have to worry about those other ones, especially not that hospitality stuff. Well, it's not a special gift, but if you do have a special gift, wisdom, exhortation, prophecy, how do you think you're going to give that to other people without hospitality, right? Hospitality is the means by which the other gifts become operational. That's why we have community groups, food pantry, youth group events, smaller things where you can exert your gifts interact with people. Even if it's on Zoom, people, you're still interacting. Remember that Pastor Danya told us last week? You can't love the Lord if you don't love his church. And we're not talking about the building, are we? You have to love his people. Myth number two, I don't have enough resources to be hospitable. Hey, I can't afford to be hospitable. Well, I got a scoop for you. When Jesus was doing his ministry, he wandered from town to town. He had no salary coming in. He trusted God. He trusted other people to provide resources for his very genuine hospitality, which was all about making outsiders feel welcome in his kingdom. In fact, expecting others to contribute helped them to feel like insiders. 
So, have you ever been invited to dinner at somebody that you just met, right? They say, hey, you know, you want to come over for dinner? And you say, oh, yeah, what can I bring? And they say, oh, no, 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 don't bring anything. Just come. You know, you're, you're my guest. But if it's your best friend on the other line and they say, hey, I'm having a party. Will you come? Yeah, what can I bring? Can you bring that? Right? <laughs> because you're an insider. Does that make sense? Are you getting this? So letting people participate was Jesus's way of making outsiders be insiders. He sent his disciples out with nothing. Wow. Just go out with nothing. Consider the feeding of the 5,000. Was this supposed to be an exquisite dining experience? No, it was not. The point was to make people know, A, he cared about their needs, and B, that they belonged. Hey, we're having a big outside picnic, and you're welcome. You're in. You're with my people. That was the point. Number three, you know, I need a nicer house to have hospitality. I'm embarrassed to invite people over to my little apartment, or I only have one room in a house. Oh, yes, another pertinent piece of information. Jesus had no house. <laughs> it says in Scripture, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He showed up at other people's houses for dinner, right? Mary, Martha, Lazarus. We're having dinner tonight. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight, right? So accepting their hospitality wasn't just about sharing a meal. It was a way of identifying with them and making them part of his community, right? One of my favorite things is after his resurrection, Jesus is barbecuing fish on the beach for his homies. They had a bad night, and he knew it, and he's barbecuing fish. No house, no house. Lots of intimacy and caring and welcoming. That's all you need. It's about embracing and welcoming people who are other than we are. No physical house necessary. It might be as simple as just inviting people into a conversation. Have you ever seen at churches people make a circle? And if you're not in the circle, you're not in the conversation. Let's stand apart, invite people in, okay? Stephen ministry, I'm going to just brag a little bit because I'm so proud. It's like the ultimate embodiment of this principle of hospitality. These guys, these wonderful, kind Stephen ministers in their Stephen ministry blue, <laughs> they've taken time to be trained to care for other people with the love of Jesus. They meet in coffee shops, sitting at the bedside of someone who's bedridden in a park. It's not about entertaining people. It's about being fully present with another human being in their suffering. I saw this uh, quote by Henry Nouwen, who was an amazingly kind Catholic priest who lived with disabled people for a large part of his life. He said this, listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. So if you need someone to listen to you, if you're just even lonely, 
fill out this form. You can put them in the black boxes. There's a mailbox that's completely confidential out on that wall next to the, between the men's bathroom and the door. Email me at andrea at inewhope.org. There's a lot of ways. There's a button on the website. We'd love to hear from you. So not only are we to show hospitality to those in the family of believers and to complete strangers, but number two, we are to extend hospitality even to our enemies. And this is, of course, what sets Christianity apart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, Jesus said, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. One of the reasons the early church grew was that people were drawn to these kind of kooky Christians. They had humble postures of mercy and hospitality that were very different from the cultural practices. So in the first couple of centuries when this church was growing, there were uh, several horrible plagues. You guys want to know what the practice was at that time? Dump the sick people into the street so you don't catch the plague from them. And guess who took care of those people? It was the Christians who risked life and limb to care for people, even people who were actively persecuting them, and they still cared for them. And you might have noticed that the word hospitality is related to the word hospital. And in fact, the first hospitals in history were Christian places. Christian places where they cared for these people who were dumped out. And they had places for the homeless to live and food pantries for the poor and hungry. People were drawn to these hospitable Jesus followers and they wanted to become part of the church. Let's jump forward. Hey, what do you know? We have a pandemic going on. It is a time when there is so much opportunity to be hospitable. And yet people have let themselves devolve into polarizing conflicts that should be superseded by this command of hospitality. Now, I'm not saying ignore guidelines or be foolish about you know, spreading a serious illness. But some of the guidelines like wearing a mask, is very hospitable. It says that I care about you more than I care about my comfort, right? You guys, this is, there is so much suffering and sadness in the world right now that each of us here, our hearts and our homes, should be like a mini hospital for the weary with no strings attached welcoming love and light of Jesus, even if it's on FaceTime or Zoom or a phone call. Now, you might say, well, a pandemic isn't exactly the, what you think is a recipe for hospitality, but it is. It is exactly a recipe for hospitality. John Tyson, who's a pastor in New York City, he talks about during this time of creating portals of belonging, little spaces where people can be and belong. I love that. He says to make hospitable spaces in hostile places. And here at New Hope, we embrace a posture of welcoming all who would enter or watch online. Our operating paradigm is this. Belong, 
believe, become. You're welcome to belong here, even if you don't agree with our beliefs and you haven't committed your life to Jesus. Come on in. You can come if you're right-leaning, left-leaning, vaccinated, unvaccinated, duck, beaver, platypus, you know, whatever. (laughs) Nobody wants to say they're a duck this morning, right? Everyone belongs. And of course, we want to share the good news of the gospel with you. And that brings me to my final point. True biblical hospitality may be the best means we have in our current culture to spread the good news of the gospel. So to finish out, I want to share a story with you that I came across while I was prepping. And it's just an amazing story. It's the story of a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. And she was a tenured professor of English and Women's Studies at Syracuse University. Back in 1999, she published an article that bashed the religious right generally and promise keepers specifically. So as you can imagine, she just got a, just a bunch of stuff back at her. Huge amounts of mail, fan mail in fact, and hate mail. All except for one very significant letter. And who do you think wrote that? It was a local pastor who just invited her for dinner. Hey, come over for dinner with me and my wife. And that gracious and sincere invitation to just discuss her opinions led to years of friendship, great conversations, and ultimately to her conversion. She is now an ardent and very grateful follower of Jesus. Since then, she's written several books about her journey. And this one, I love this title. Put that one up. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Postmodern World. So I'm going to read a quote from her. And it's kind of long, but um, take a picture because it's like so good. You're going to go, oh, what did that lady say? And then you can go back and read it again. So listen to this. Radically ordinary hospitality characterizes those who don't fuss over different worldviews represented at the dinner table. Thanksgiving this week, can we underline that and remember that? (laughs) We let people at our different dinner table have different views. What an idea. The truly hospitable aren't embarrassed to keep friendships with people who are different They don't buy the world's bunk about this. They know there's a difference between acceptance and approval, and they courageously accept and respect people who think differently from them. They don't worry that others will misinterpret their friendship. Jesus dined with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. Jesus lived in the world, but he didn't live like the world. This is the Jesus paradox. And it defines those who are willing to suffer with others for the sake of gospel sharing and gospel living. Those who care more for integrity than appearances. Radically ordinary hospitality gives evidence and faith in Jesus' power to save. It doesn't get dug in over politics or culture or where someone stands on current events. It knows what conversion means, what identity in Christ does and what repentance creates. It knows that people need to be rescued from their sin, not to be given pep talks about good choice making. It remembers that Jesus rescues people from 
their sin. Wow. What a relief to know that hospitality doesn't require us to fix people. All the Stephen ministers know that one. Jesus is the caregiver. Or to be the answer to all the problems, we learn to practice biblical hospitality. We let people into our lives. We need to remember that Jesus will be there in our midst. Our job isn't to berate people who are in sin or to provide all the solutions for people who are suffering. We love them with God's love, and Jesus will do the rest. Jesus is the one who provides the ultimate rescue from sin and the only path to salvation. Through his death on the cross, his resurrection, he changed the status of all of us who believe we were all outsiders apart from God. And now we get to be insiders who can become eternal citizens of heaven. In Hebrews 11, it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we, we who have acknowledged him as Savior, can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Jesus bridged that gap between humans and God because we are all sinners and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Pastor Isaac's going to come up in a minute. We're going to take communion together. During that time, I want you to think about a couple of things. Number one, have you offered outsiders to become insiders and thereby meet Jesus that they don't know? Or if you don't know Jesus, will you accept the ultimate offer of hospitality to be reconciled to the Father? Let's pray before Pastor Isaac comes up. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word today. I ask that it will touch each heart here as we open to others and to you uh, to see what, what you will do through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.